grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> we have a beautiful reading today from St. John. Before we begin looking at that, but before we begin looking at that, I'd like to think for a moment about our reading from Romans. St. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5, that we have been justified by faith and we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is so. You know that. We know that. We hear this every week. That God in his mercy has declared us not guilty from our sins, which are many. He declared us not guilty because God has washed away those sins by the blood of Christ who died on the cross. And he has given us peace with himself. We have peace with God. We do not come to him as one who is angry at us. We do not come trembling, expecting judgment. We come as his children. We come as those who are washed clean. We come as those who come to God, our Father, and ask for help in time of need. This is a blessed gift. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And through him we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. That is a beautiful phrase. It, the grace in which we stand. You do stand in life. Some days you stand strong. Some days you're on your knees. Some days you got knocked flat on your back. But whatever it is, you're always on God's grace. His undeserved love. He gives you this as a free gift. We stand in that grace. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. It's a challenging world that we're in. Hope. Hope is a powerful thing. We know that we have forgiveness now. We know that we stand together as the body of Christ. We love one another. And we know that one day we will see him with our own eyes. This veil of sorrows will be passed and we will be with him in peace. But until that time, we still have peace. We hold to it. We hope. We share with one another in love. Now, this is what I'd like you to hear very clearly. Listen closely to what Paul says, because this is often a section of Romans 5 that kind of gets hopped over. More than that, Paul writes, we rejoice in our sufferings. We rejoice in our sufferings. We're happy during our sufferings. Wow, really? Happy? Well, Maybe that's not the best way to put it, although often we think rejoice equals happy. A better way to put it is that in the midst of our sufferings, we have confidence and peace that God is still with us. Now you might say, oh, I know a bit about sufferings in my life. I think each and every one of us does, right? To quote the great theologian Wesley in The Princess Bride, life is pain, princess says differently is selling something right okay maybe not a great theologian but you get the idea everybody knows a bit about suffering and there's always the possibility that more challenges can come up what we have in Christ is in the midst of those sufferings joy that God is with us and does not abandon us does not leave us does not forsake us Listen to what Paul says. Why do we rejoice in our suffering? We rejoice in our suffering because some good comes out of it. 
We are not those who walk through a world when suffering comes up and say to ourselves, there is no point to this. There is no hope in this. There is no God watching over us. We are not those who give in to that darkness or despair. We are those who understand that God made the world, has helped people through this world all the way through history and still is doing so today and will continue until Christ comes back again. He is a God who is accessible and helps us. So in the midst of our sufferings, we find his help available. And in those sufferings, when we find his help available, we find that suffering produces endurance. In other words, this is hard, but I'm not giving up. I'm not going to give up because I find in God, in his word, in his gospel, in the loving care of our community and faith, I find in Christ what I need to keep going for another day, another week, another month, another year. Suffering produces endurance. It makes you stronger. I remember very well the suffering of practices early in the soccer season in high school and all of those laps around the field and different sprints and things and how much they hurt and yet it produced endurance so that I could play through the entire game and not collapse on the field in the second half gasping for breath. It produced endurance in me. Suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. What does that mean? Well, character is basically the habitus in life of somebody who doesn't give up doesn't quit, who doesn't fall aside. Basically, you've gone through hard times, you've found how to have help from God, and it keeps you going. You don't give up, you don't fall away. Character. It's the ki- it means this is the kind of person that you can count on. A person of character. A person is some, of character is somebody in your life that you know when push comes to shove, they're going to be there for you. So the sufferings that we endure in this world produce in us endurance and the habit of continuing to endure in the midst of suffering is what character means. Someone you can count on. Character produces hope. Someone of character understands that why do we keep going? We keep going because God is real. He does love us. He is helping us and in the end, He's going to bring us home. And there's a purpose to looking after one another. There's a purpose to sharing love with one another. Because God has loved us. And none of the things that we face are bigger than him. And none of the things that we face can break us in him. For we are safe in his hands. So whether we live or we die. Whether we're healthy or sick. Whether we're strong or weak. We are in him who is above us all of these things and yet entered into our world and suffered all of these things so that he can help us in time of need. Character produces hope. That it is going to be okay now and it will be even better. So what that means is, is in the midst of a challenging time we find in God both help in our need, a purpose for loving each other through their need, and a confidence that challenging times don't last, but God does. And we are strong and safe in him. 
This is a very important text for us to remember on a day like this because the hope that you have in Christ Jesus, I promise you, the hope that you have in Christ Jesus will not put you to shame. It is not the kind of thing that's going to, eh, maybe not deliver. I'm a big baseball fan, you all know that, right? I've had hope for the last eight years the Dodgers are going to win the World Series. Oh, uh, yeah. That hope has put me to shame at times because it has not come about. But God's hope always delivers. We will not be those who stand up in the end and say, you know what, that hope that we had in the midst of trial, the hope that Jesus would help us, love us, forgive us, the hope that we had that we'd look after one another and help each other through times, the hope that God would take us home to heaven, Now, that didn't pan out, did it? That is not going to happen, I promise you. Because God is faithful. And when he promises something, he always, always keeps his word. You can trust him to do so. That much is true, I promise you. So God is with us. His love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. By the way, beautiful Trinity verse there. Did you catch that? God's love, God the love, the love of God the Father has been poured into our hearts through Christ Jesus, uh, through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us, and the Holy Spirit creates faith in Christ Jesus in our hearts. So beautiful Trinity verse, a reminder of baptism. Now that was half a sermon. I grant you that. No problem. I'll cut you a deal. I'll cut a little bit off our section on John. But we can't ignore it because it is beautiful. Because our section in John is one where here you've got this woman and she comes to the well during the day. She's gone through a challenging time. She's got a jar on her shoulder. She's got to dip it down into this deep well, pull up water, use it for washing, for cooking, bathing, etc. There's Jesus. He's been walking. He's tired. Okay? He's tired. He is God, and he is man. He sits down by the well, and notice the time is the sixth hour. The sixth hour is very significant because it is at the sixth hour when Jesus, later on another day, would stand before Pilate, and he would be condemned to the cross. And on that cross, Jesus would have something to say. One of the things that John records for us that he says is, I thirst. I'm thirsty. So around the sixth hour on this day, Jesus sits down by the well and says to this woman, I'm thirsty. On another day around the sixth hour, he hangs upon the cross and says to those gathered around him, I thirst. And there's a reason why these are connected. The death of Christ on the cross is the place where Jesus provided the stream of living water of which he speaks here in John chapter 4 to this woman. She is a woman who has no hope. She is a woman who has lived a hard life. She's made some decisions that weren't so positive for her, some decisions that were against what God wanted for her, 
and she's made some decisions now that are probably just about survival, getting by one more day. When you have five husbands and you're living with someone who's not your husband, this is somebody who's had a hard life. Now, before we get too hard on her, you have to remember she's sitting by whose well? Jacob's well, right? Now, Jacob, when he wound up coming into this place, he had only one wife, right? Wait a minute, no, there was one, two, three, four, wasn't there. That's an interesting point, isn't it? Jacob was one who had made some decisions that didn't always pan out so great. He was one who had made some statements and done some things that weren't always so holy. He was one who had had to encounter the mercy of God in a very real way because he didn't always trust in the Lord. And instead, he trusted in himself, very much like this woman probably trusted in herself to figure out how she was going to get, get by rather than in the Lord. Jesus now comes, the one who had been promised to the line of Jacob, the one who would be a blessing to all nations, the one who would be the Messiah. He sits down beside this well, beside the well that God had provided to Jacob, and now gives water to someone who is not a descendant of Jacob. This is a Samaritan woman. She was not physically of the line of the promise to Jacob. And it doesn't matter because Christ has come to be her savior. He comes to give life to all. So here, she thirsts. He gives water. Not water that comes up from the well, but water that comes from the word of God. She learns to understand that she is forgiven. And that Jesus, who encountered her at the well that day, and then eventually, a few days later, walked on down the road to Jerusalem, and eventually walked on down to the cross, that he was not one who had left her, but instead had given her a word of God that remained in her, welled up in her, and continued to give to her forgiveness of sins and eternal life. She was never alone. From the moment that he spoke to her and she trusted in him, with her and continue to give her life. And that is something he gives to you too. He gives that to you in baptism. He gives that to you in his blood and water that flowed from his side on the cross that washes you. And in him you are not alone. You have peace. That makes all the difference. We gather here as people on the edge of uncertainty and yet we have the sure and certain knowledge of the promises of God and the forgiveness of sins. And we come before him and receive them in peace. Now that is beautiful. This woman knew it. You know it too. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen.